Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast, where we do intellectual... <laughs> can't even remember my own intro. Where we do intellectual, biblical, intellectual, uncompromising theology for God lovers. I hope everyone is doing well today. I wanted to uh, come on here and um, do a little chat. A little chat about Ezekiel 40 onward and why the temple, or one of the reasons why, this isn't the entire set of, of reasons, but uh, there there is one main reason why I uh, do not believe at all that Ezekiel 40 onward can be describing a literal brick-and-mortar temple that will be reconstructed in the future. And uh, the main reason for that is going to be found in Ezekiel 40, uh, verse 39, that's really the first mention of what I'm going to be talking about. And we're going to compare it with another text that is in the New Testament in order to validate uh, this, what I'm about to present. Okay, so if you look at Ezekiel 40, verse 39, what you're going to notice is that it says, in the vestibule of the gateway, and it's describing, by the way, this 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 so-called future temple. If you ask someone who is a futurist, premillennialist, they will say, this is a future temple. This has to do with the restoration, or this temple is found in the restoration uh, when the when the people of God are brought back to uh, are brought back to the promised land, and then this temple is going to be rebuilt. We think it's a literal temple, of course. They will say because it's so it's such a detailed account. Uh, the detail must automatically equate or or equal a a literal brick and mortar temple. It can't. Uh, I, I would say that the detail actually is is there. Um, to to display the beauty of, of of Christ's true temple, which is which is his church, um, and, and so the detail is actually included for aesthetics, uh, and 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 there's no reason really why you should why you should say well because it's so detailed therefore literal brick and mortar temple. Um, there, there's you you would need more information to to make that jump. There's no logical connection between. Simply, simply between detail and and a brick and mortar temple in the future. There's just no logical connection. Um, and then put with all the other variables. For example, the temple is never mentioned. The the the, the builders of the temple is never mentioned. Never. Uh, not one time. Which which conforms to what we know about the eschatological temple of God or his his church, which is purchased and sanctified by Christ, a temple that is not constructed with hands. Right, and and there are no hands mentioned in Ezekiel forty onward in the construction of this, of this new temple. And then you, you consider the fact that the historical precedent for the building of the tabernacle and Solomon's temple and Zerubbabel's temple is that in all three of those scenarios there are builders mentioned. The builders are mentioned each time in each of those accounts of the construction of those either the t tabernacle or the two brick and mortar, the first and second brick and mortar temples. Uh, but here in Ezekiel 40 onward, there are no uh, builders mentioned. Uh, the other thing is that the narrative begins uh, from a place of of great height, uh, which would signify that it, you know this is this is already starting out as a vision. It's not something that is necessarily um, uh, meant or intended to be taken 
taken literally. Uh, of course, the meaning is literal, but uh, the interpretive method cannot be always literal of Scripture because Scripture uses various genre that uh, we cannot always force into uh, that kind of paradigm. Um, one of the places I always go to is Hebrews 1.5, where Second uh, Samuel seven fourteen is is speaking about Solomon in the immediate, immediate historical context, but the author of Hebrews obviously applies it to Christ Jesus. Um, so Ezekiel forty uh, verse thirty nine says, "In the vestibule of the gateway were two tables on this side and two tables on that side, on which to slay the burnt offering." And this is where this whole idea comes in of, you know, future Israel and the reestablishment of these animal sacrifices in eschatological millennium Jewish kingdom. Uh, that that view of the restoration of the kingdom of Israel and the, re the restoration of the temple priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, that all comes from, most of it comes from, the, one of the biggest proof texts is Ezekiel 40 onward. And uh, Actually, this text right here, which says that there's going to be a burnt offering uh, in this temple and that there will be sin offering and the trespass offering. So one of the problems that you run into, if you want to interpret this text literally according to only a historical grammatical understanding of what is being said here, you're going to run into a lot of problems. And I want to talk about one of those problems here. And I think the problem is actually more fundamental than just making an error, an exegetical error. I think it's actually confusing the very law with the very gospel. Okay. And, and the reason I believe that is going to hopefully become clear. If you turn over to Hebrews 10, verse 18, what you're going to see in Hebrews 10, verse 18, is an explicit, very clear statement that says, where there is remission of these, that is, where there is remission of sins. Um, and again, it's quoting from that, that, that announcement of, in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, it's an excerpt, uh, and it was quoted earlier in Hebrews 8, and here's an unfolding of it in Hebrews 10, uh, a further explication of it. Um, and, and, and one of the promises in the announcement of the new covenant is obviously the forgiveness or the expiation of sin. And so verse 18 says, now where there is remission of these, where there is forgiveness of these, that is sins, lawless deeds, there is no longer an offering for sin. Okay. If you take Ezekiel 40, verse 39, historically, that is to say literally, and you place it in the future, uh, then there has to be a sin offering at that future temple in Ezekiel 40. Um, and, 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 and that goes directly, that interpretation of Ezekiel 40 goes directly in opposition to Hebrews 10, 18, which says there is no sin offering where there is remission of sin. So if the Jews, if the future Jews who are going to be brought to Christ and who presumably are uh, living in this eschatological millennium um, and, and ministering in this eschatological temple, if they are, if they are in Christ, um, if Christ is their Savior and their Lord, then if they offer a sin offering, they are directly contradicting and rebelling against 
something that God has declared, namely that which has been declared in Hebrews 10.18, where there is forgiveness, there's no longer sin offering. Why? Because Christ is the all-sufficient sin offering. He's been offered once, we learn in Hebrews 9, to put away sin. Okay, um, so that's, that's one key reason why at the very outset we need to be we need to be thinking about other ways to approach Ezekiel 40 onward because at the very outset we learn that in this temple is a sin offering. Now, an alternative is to understand Ezekiel 40 onward as symbolical or metaphorical. Um, that is metaphorical of the people of God. And you might even be able to say that it is... Um, uh, I guess you could say it's 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 tropological, um, but it, it it's 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 it cannot be talking about a literal future temple that is a future temple from us in which will be slain sin offerings. Um, that's that's just remarkable, um, and 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 I think those who believe that are making the mistake of committing to hermeneutical presuppositions that do not conform to the text, uh, that do not allow the text to speak for itself. Um, and, and, of course, we all have these areas that we have to work on, sim simper reformanda, right? Always reforming. Um, but this is a big one right here because uh, what actually ends up happening is that you take Ezekiel 40, 39, which mentions explicit aspects of the ceremonial law given in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, Mosaic Covenant. And you're taking that and you're saying, well, this is part of the gospel. And so what's actually happening, you're saying that there's a sin offering, which is a work of the law. And you're saying that that is in the gospel, that this is some kind of an effect of the gospel. Or, or it's some kind of a requirement in the gospel. Uh, and if you're, if you're saying to Jews that this is their future destiny, that they're going to be once again required to offer sin offerings, you are pointing those Jews back to the bondage of the Mosaic institution and not to the freedom that is found in Christ Jesus that comes through the free grace of God. And, um, and so that needs to be kept in mind. There are things like this that are all over the text of Scripture um, that, that will inform our interpretations of some of these symbolical texts, some of these strange texts that, that perhaps aren't immediately obvious to us. Um, and there are a lot of texts like that. It's not the fault of the Scriptures. It's actually our fault, our having trouble understanding and, uh, and and here's absolutely no no exception. So, Ezekiel 40.39 says that in this temple, which a lot of people believe is a future brick-and-mortar temple in Israel that includes a Levitical system, a Levitical-like system. It doesn't include everything from the Levitical system, but some things. Um, that's going to be restored in the future. The problem with that, obviously, is that if, if the people engaging in such a Levitical system, quasi-Levitical system, are in Christ, that is, if they are brothers or sisters in Christ, um, they no longer need a sin offering, a la uh, the Levitical law, okay? Uh, and the reason is because Hebrews 10, 18. Now, where there is forgiveness, there's no longer a sin offering. There's no sin. There's no sin to offer for, 
Okay, There's no sin to offer for. The sin offering has taken place already in Christ. Okay, so anyway, uh, I hope that was helpful. Uh, I, I, I do not think Ezekiel 40 onward can be talking about a literal reconstruction of a brick-and-mortar temple for this reason right here. And there are other reasons uh, all throughout, really, that narrative that could be addressed in another episode. God bless you guys. I hope you enjoyed this.